Hi, this is Ron Darling with SNY TV. Um, you know me from covering the Mets, and uh, I hope you get a chance to listen to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. I had a great time. I hope you do, too. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Well, welcome to another episode of Mets Musings. And unfortunately, the season is over. The Mets are not in the playoffs, but you know that by now. But I thought we'd get together the usual suspects and uh, do a bit of a year in review, take a look at the, the past season, and uh, see what uh, we think may come up in the future and and uh, just some other predictions, perhaps, as we go along. And uh, to help me with that, I brought in my former co-host and good pal, Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back. Thanks, Gary. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing good. And also joining Barry and I are the boys. Actually, it wouldn't be a round table without the boys from uh, Baseball and BBQ. Jeff and Len are on the other line. Jeff and Len, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary Mack. <laughs> and uh, guys, uh, you know, we're also going to get a little bit withdrawal from Mets baseball. There's still baseball to be had, but uh, Mets baseball is completed. 2019 season is in the books. It was a better than expected season. Uh, didn't look this way in uh, July, I guess, but uh, they pulled it together, finished 10 games above 500. Uh, I think it was four or five games out of the second wild card spot. And um, so let's go around the table and uh, kind of get uh, a big uh, uh, review of 2019. And I'll start with you, Barry. What's your thoughts on uh, 2019? Well, Gary, I had predicted the Mets to be about an 83-84 win team before the season started. So they actually exceeded my expectations. It just didn't seem like that the way the season played out. It's not the number of wins they got. It's how they got to those 80, 86 wins. The offense was considerably better than most anyone had a right to think, mostly, of course, because of the amazing Pete Alonzo, and the pitching, especially the bullpen, was underperformed, but also Syndergaard and Matt, who I think is getting kind of a pass because his persona 
is small compared to Syndergaard's, but they both underperformed and they came up very small in September when the Mets were in the middle of this wild card race. And to sum it up quickly, the Mets got up to such a slow start, they got way behind and would have needed to play around 700 ball to get to the wild card. And I actually had them needing to go 42 and 21 to get to 87 wins. And even that would have left them a couple of games short. So as much as what could have been, what, what would have been, you got to say the Nationals, who were 12 games under 500 in May after looking dead and after the Mets swept them, along with the Brewers, who went on that incredible 17-2 and two run, most of it after their best player, Christian Yelich, got hurt, earned those two wildcard spots. They wanted more than the Mets lost it. An oddity how they did get seem to get better after uh, Yelich got hurt. But uh, guys, uh, who wants to take it first? Jeff, Len? Uh, Len's pointing to me, so I guess I'll take it okay. first. <laughs> uh, this has been only the third year since City Field opened where they had a winning record. So that's uh, on the positive. They, uh, of course, didn't make the playoffs. It's the only time having a winning record that they did not have the playoffs. And that was because of the what I call the June swoon. Happened last year. Happened this year. They just uh, got into a funk in June and just couldn't, you know, claw their way out of it, even though they mm-hmm. did a valiant effort at the end. They did play very well after the All-Star break, but it was just too much. And what, what Barry was saying, what about the uh, Brewers and the Nationals, they just went on a tear, and we just couldn't catch them. But, you know, we did climb over several teams to get into that uh, race. I mean, they did give us some good baseball in September, which we hadn't had in the past. I was encouraged by some of the development of the players, uh, especially Ahmad Rosario, who in the beginning of the year wasn't having such a great year defensively, but he came on, and he finished, I think, fifth in the league in hits which was uh, amazing. Uh, of course, Jeff McNeil is always, uh, put him anywhere and he can, he can play. Uh, what can you say about Jacob DeGrom? Simply the best pitcher in, in the, uh, in not just the National League, I think in all baseball. Alonzo had a great year. Um, I hope people don't, I hope people, I hope they don't think he's going to duplicate it because I don't think he is. But you know what? If he can just be, be the type of player he is, hit 35 to 40 home runs, It'll be just the way, uh, it'll be fine. Wheeler, uh, you know, we know, I think he's gone. Actually, I heard Andy Martino report that they had some, some, uh, discussions in the season to try to extend them and it didn't go anywhere. So, uh, that's why they picked up Stroman. So I think Wheeler is gone and Syndergaard is just too young to give up on. But I will say this. He should just shut up and pitch. Who cares who he, who he pick who he's got throws to? Just shove and pitch. Glenn? I like that. June swoon. Can we get can we get that on T shirts? Sure. Um Yeah, the season of course was heading towards big disappointment. And of course it it finished up great. Uh, you know, they, they show the good thing is they showed life. They showed life, um, you know, and the, the amazing thing is we're probably going to 
I, I don't think there's any doubt. We're going to have the rookie of the year, and we're going to have the Cy Young winner. And to not make the playoffs is disappointing with that. But I think there were some players on this team that basically put the team on their back and carried it. They, we, we were carried by some players. You know, we were carried by McNeil. We were carried by uh, uh, DeGrom and, and Alonzo. And, I'm uh, going to interrupt Len right yeah. there because there were two players who threw us off that back. That was, was Diaz and Familia. Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, of course. And, and we're also saddled with the contract of Cano, which, uh, is gonna, is gonna haunt us. And of course, the prospects that we gave up. So, but all in all, it was a pretty good year. Wasn't what, uh, what Brody, uh, you know, promised and of course said we were gonna have, but, uh, I, I thought it was good. But now that the situation is, what are we going to do going forward? You know, they're at a, they're at the point where they could, they could easily take a step back and go back in the opposite direction, or we build on this, add some pieces and we go forward. But I, I'm a little worried about the adding of the pieces because I see what, what happened this year when they tried to add pieces. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, for me, it, 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 it was kind of a weird year. Um, they just didn't grab the excitement factor. Uh, it didn't seem like they won 86 games in a weird way. Um, I don't know whether it was just that they were so far out and, uh, the run they made, made it look good, but it, it they, the team had definitely improved, uh, uh, offensively, I think. And, uh, to me, the core is 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 there to build on um but it was a strange season for me that uh they just didn't grab the attention uh like i thought they should have and i don't know whether there was just a lot of outside stuff around about it uh whether alonzo just overshadowed everything else um I don't know. I, I I agree with Jeff, though, uh, with uh, Diaz and Familia really killed the season as well as the whole bullpen, really. Uh whole bullpen was a disaster. Um, I uh, It's a funny thing. Uh, uh, my daughter went to the game on Sunday and uh, picked me up. I had forgotten to get a yearbook. She picked me up a yearbook, and I'm looking at some of the names. And, you know, years ago, they used to do the revised yearbooks. You guys remember that? Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. So I'm I'm looking through it and I'm seeing Ken Broxton and <laughs> and we all Travis remember, Darno. Yeah, Travis Darno, right. And uh, you know, Peter Lenzo's in the rising stars section and uh that sort of thing. But I it it was kind of a weird year for me and uh you know, they did pull it off. They played hard. They played hard for Mickey. And um, now we're all kind of in a uh, Callaway watch as we record this on uh, Wednesday. And they're having meetings. They pushed it back a day or two because of Rosh Hashanah. Um, and so we're almost waiting to see whether or not he gets the axe. Um, do you guys feel... And I'll start with Jeff on this. Do you feel that uh, Callaway should be brought back, or should he get the axe? 
You know, I, I've been thinking about this going back and forth, and let's put it this way. As an on-field manager, he had a lot to be desired. He made some really bonehead moves that, you know, left you scratching your head. Um, but, you know, they they didn't lose the, the wild card because of that. I mean, it all comes down, in my view, familiar and Diaz. And that's, that's what it comes down to. They played hard for him. Let me throw you out a couple stats on, on Familiar and Diaz. Familiar pitched 60 innings. He had 62 hits and walked 42 players and hit three. So that's 107 runners on base in 60 innings. That's not, that's a setup for, he's a setup man, a setup for disaster. You have, uh, Edwin Diaz who pitched, let's see, 58 innings, giving up 58 hits and walked 22. That's 70 batters on, on base in 58 innings. And 15 home runs, I think, he gave up. And 15 home runs. So that's in the not ninth inning. You, yeah. That, that blows you in a lot of games. And, and is that really Mickey's fault? Well, yeah. Mickey was told, hey, you got to bring in these guys. You know, I guess the question is, who who's going to replace them? Uh, everybody thinks once Girardi... But remember, Girardi didn't relate well to the young players on the Yankees. Mets have young players. Will he re- relate well to them? I don't know. Uh, Madden, everybody seems to think he's going out to California, either Los Angeles Angels or, or the Padres. Uh, who else is out there? Buck Schwalter, maybe Tom has maybe passed him by. So who, who's there to replace him? Sosha? I, I don't know. So if you can't get a an upgrade from Nicky, you're going to go with another first-year guy? Do you want that? I've heard names like uh, Ventura, who will be, uh, you know, this will be a second go-round. Uh, Garo Alfonso is probably not ready for the big leagues. I've heard maybe uh, Super Joe McEwen, uh, actually, he he uh, interviewed a couple of years ago for the job. Maybe he's, he's, he'll be considered. But again, that's another first-year guy. Question is, who, who's going to replace him? I'd rather have Madden, but I think he's going out one. Ben? Um, if you're going to get a guy who has no managerial experience, it's very rare that you get a guy like an Alex Cora. He takes a team first year to the World Series and wins. Uh, Aaron Boone, very successful as a, as a first-time manager, you know, for the past two years. Um, the manager for the Twins, name escapes me all of a sudden, okay, uh, wins 101 in his first year. But again, you're taking a big gamble if you're going to get a first-year guy and you're going to get rid of Callaway and you're expecting that this guy is just all of a sudden going to be amazing. So the only way that I say you get rid of Callaway is if you're bringing in a guy with a pedigree. And who is that? Well, it's Girardi. Okay, I mean Madden. Madden was very was great with Tampa Bay. Then he comes over to the Cubs, wins the World Series, and then the next thing you know, has a couple of bad years, and and they say you know oh this isn't working out, and he steps down. But you know they were going to fire him. So what happened? All of a sudden, he he was a genius, and now he's not. He he became stupid. So I. It, the manage, the whole thing with managers is it's so fickle. Um, Callaway, they they do play hard for him. He does make some bonehead moves. I don't get 
uh, that one game where it was Matt or Wheeler, where he took him out after like 70 something pitches after he had said that he wanted his guys to go further in games. And then he takes them out for no reason, puts in whoever he put in. Okay. I forgot. Intentionally walk this guy in the Philly to get out. Oh, right. Right. Over. Yeah. That was another, <laughs> right. That was another move. So I, I don't get some of the moves, but they do play hard for him. And, uh, he did improve the team this year. So. He's manager he with a winning, winning record, you yeah. know. He has, right, he has one year left, and and unless hey, you're going to bring in fans and book fans as well. Sorry about that. <laughs> unless you're going to bring in somebody really good or really proven, I guess he's going to. He would. I would keep him. Barry, your thoughts? Well, Jeff and Len pretty much said what I was thinking, and that is, of course. We all know that uh, Mickey's uh, in-game managing decisions, to be kind, leave something to be desired quite often. However, getting that team to 86 wins, in my opinion, is enough to retain him unless they have a deal with Joe Girardi. As far as Madden, Showalter, Dusty Baker, any of the other guys that whose names are out there that have that have had manage, managing experience. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. But Girardi is different. He's he's won in New York. I think he got a raw was given a raw deal by the Yankees. But if it's not Girardi, then why not let Mickey have the third and final year of his deal, but put him on a very short leash? Because again, like Glenn and Jeff said, to replace him with another another novice makes makes no sense and also uh jeff alluded to brody and the expectations that this was a 90 win team and that the mets didn't meet his expectations well maybe it's his expectations that were unrealistic the mets were a 70 win team in 2017 a 77 win team last year and why did anybody think that they would improve by 13 games this year Good point. Hey, you know, Gary, one other thing. I saw a column. I don't know what paper it was in. And it was put, it put the managerial candidates if the Mets got rid of Callaway. And one of the people that they put was Brad Osmus. And who, you know, who just one year with the Angels and had a bad year, they let him go. Why would the Mets bring in Brad Osmus? Osmus, Osmus, I'm saying his name more. Why would they bring him in when he had a worse record than Callaway? And that made no sense, but that was a column. Hi, this I, is Ron Darling with SNY TV. Um, you know me from covering the Mets, and yes, Ron, uh, I hope you get a chance. Ron just Why is Ron interrupting us? Ron just wanted to hop on. <laughs> Boy, hey, Ron. I mean, and Len, I couldn't the- agree with you more. As far as these sports writers, who seem to be ready, willing, and able, and uh, so to, to just get rid of Cowley or just under the assumption that Mickey is a goner. I have have to tell you, this is, I think, is unprecedented to see the sports writers, unless they have knowledge that we're not privy to, almost unanimously saying that either Mickey's a goner or he should be a goner. and. I I, uh, really, I really don't get it. And you know my feelings about Mickey over the past two years. 
I think he's a less than good manager. But again, they won 86 games, and uh, the expectations were not realistic. And the experts thought this would be a four-team race in the NLEs. Well, maybe, just maybe, they underestimated the Braves. And when you look at them and all their young talent, especially their position players, they're a much better, they're a much better team than the Mets. And they got some good, surprising young pitching. And with the Nats and the Phillies, who were, were really the team that underperformed, and how has Gabe Kaplan not been fired yet? So maybe they have to relook at this team and and just say that the Mets won 86 games, and that's about where they uh, should have been, especially with that horrible bullpen that performed to historically horrible, uh, had a historically horrible June, and that's what put them so far behind the eight ball that they would have needed to play around 700 ball to make it to the wild card, which wasn't going to happen. Let, let me just throw out one more name out there because uh, I just saw it. Uh, Clint Hurdle's available. He's a, a manager with a good track record. and He won in Colorado. He took the Pirates three years in a row to the playoffs. He might not be a, a bad candidate. Just throwing it out there. Well, there's there's a lot of big names out there, and uh, but uh, for me, and I, I I almost can't believe I'm going to say this. I think <laughs> Mickey deserves another chance, uh, uh, as you guys all alluded to. Uh, he, they they like playing for him. They play hard for him. Uh, I think even my friend Dennis from Albany would admit uh, it, it, that uh, he should at least have a chance to come back. Um, but, uh, Girardi scares me. Girardi scares me because of his, uh, he's an uptight, tight ass, if I would may. And, uh, you know, he's got a young team and I don't want to see these guys get screwed up by having a tense manager that's going to turn them into, uh, time bombs waiting to go off or something. Um, and, Brody scares me because he has no loyalty to Callaway. And if he can convince the Wilpons that he wants to bring his guy in and God knows who that's going to be. And his track, his track record is not the best uh, for making moves other than JD Davis. And let's face it. A lot of people didn't like that move in the early of the year. I think I remember seeing on Facebook that the JD stood for, just disastrous or just uh, something or other when he was playing third base, he couldn't feel the ball, couldn't throw it the first. Um, so that kind of scares me as well as Len alluded to earlier about the uh, making off season moves. But um, I, 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 you know, it, unless you're going to get Madden to me, Madden's the, the key guy. He's the only guy I could see getting rid of Callaway for Anybody else out there? Brad Osmus is a retread and has never won anywhere. Um, you know, Girardi, of course, he won with the Yankees. And, and um, Leonard mentioned that Aaron Boone did such a good job as a first-year manager. But I think, Len, I, I honestly, I think we could have managed the Yankees and done a good job yeah. with that team. Um, you know, uh, Gary, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, mm -hmm. the next one, 86 games, if the bullpen did not – well, half the games they blew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred win team. Well, they they blew a uh, twenty one games, 
I believe it was. And uh, I don't know how many of those blown games they actually went on to win. But I, but you're right. I mean, they they're either a game out of the division lead or tied for the division lead if they did half of those games. I mean, that's 96 wins almost, uh, you know. And some of those games were just heart-wrenching, you know? Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. He has in the giving up those home runs in the ninth inning. They're like, oh. He well, had two outs good. a couple of times. And, and, yeah. And just one more stinking out, and, and boom, and there it goes. Um, right. Yeah, the bullpen was really, I think, the killer of the whole season. And uh, I don't think Callaway's strange moves actually hurt them in any games at all. Maybe he lost one or two. But, you know, I have to wonder, we hear these reports about him getting texts or getting messages from Van Wagenen. How do we know some of these crazy moves aren't coming from Van Wagenen? And not Callaway. And he's just taking the bullet for it. Um, you know, we don't know that for a fact. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, they talk about show Walter. I don't think show Walter fits in this organization and he hasn't, you know, he'd be working with young guys. He had young guys in Baltimore and they didn't do so good over, uh, for him. I don't know. Let's, I, I, I think Callaway should stay. We should know. Uh, Andy Martino was saying today, maybe tomorrow at the latest, we'll know his faith. Um, I just hope they do the right thing and keep him. All right. Well, you know, don't have his track record. Uh, he's been take teams to the edge of the playoff of the World Series. Just doesn't bring him over the, over the line. He mm-hmm. gets fired and the next guy brings him over the line. He did <laughs> yeah. that with New York. He did that with, uh, with Arizona. In Texas, he uh, well, he was fired. And next year, Ron Washington brings him to two World Series in a row. So Schultz brings him to that state, that, that right to that line, but doesn't cross over. And and uh, and that's a big important thing because you know what are you going to do? Bring him here, and and I think they they're closer to that line now than they they were the last few years. Maybe we should bring Terry Collins back. There you go. You know, baseball. Girardi being uptight. Well, I mean, uh, he's a bowl of spaghetti compared to Buck Showalter. (laughs) Gary, baseball is a young person's game now. I mean, you look at all these teams that are winning, and and it's young guys. You know, it used to be that guys would stay in the minor leagues. You know, they come up, they'd be 23, 24, whatever. I mean, now these guys are coming up much younger. You need a you need a manager who relates well to the young players. You really do because um, you see that the the older the players are, um, they don't perform as well. I mean, you know, and I forget to know. I'm just talking in general. It seems like these guys are coming up and they're making their mark right away. I mean, with Alonzo and you had some other great rookies this year and you had other great rookies in the in the past few years so you need a, a manager that's going to relate well to them and i think that callaway actually they, like i said they play hard for him they could have you know they were they were way down this year they could have laid down and died but they didn't so there, there's something to be said for that i, I agree 100 percent. i think you hit it right on the, the nose there that uh, uh i think he's proven that that He's good in the clubhouse, that they respect him and that they play hard for him. 
and much like they played hard for Terry Collins. And it's it's you know when you go back to that team, it's a it's almost other than the pitches, it's it's almost like a completely different team already in just a, a three or four year span. Um, when you think of go around the infield and think about the guys that are gone now that were there. All right, well, we know they have a good, a decent core with McNeil, Rosario, Alonzo, Conforto, Nimmo, um, but there are some holes. And to me, mostly the first thing would be to fix the bullpen. Uh, I would either shop for guys that are free agents. That would be my first uh, attempt before trading. Uh, God forbid we trade any more prospects for a relief pitcher. I think we'd have to kill him if he did that again. And I hope he learned his lesson that you do not trade uh, top prospects, especially two number one prospects for a relief pitcher who did it once and turned out to be a total disaster. Um, some off-season moves that the Mets should make to shore up this team, both the uh, bullpen. Uh, I'd say they need a center fielder. They also probably need, though, let me, let me rephrase that. They need a center fielder, but I'd be very comfortable with Nimmo and Conforto in, in the rotation there. Uh, don't have a problem. Uh, Nimmo came back from his injury and, and, Got right back to where he was last year. Started off the year terribly, but I think he was hurt. I think his neck was bothering him. Uh, he came back after uh, rehabbing that neck most of the season. Picked it up right again. Was playing some really good ball at the end of the year. I think this this guy can play every day. I'd be happy with him in center field. I think he can handle the job. But people say they need a center field. Okay, they also need a bullpen and. Uh, the catching crew, um, well, I'll let you guys talk about that. And we'll start with Len on this one. Len, well, what do you think the Mets need to do in the offseason to improve this team? Um, I like I like Dominic Smith. I, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, he's somebody you could trade, get some prospects for. Um, I like Dominic Smith. I, you know, of course, he got hurt. But he started the year very well. Forget the walk-off home run at the end. I, I like him. Agreed on the center fielder. Uh, I think the catcher, although um, Ramos had a uh, had a you know a great year offensively. Um, I mean the other guys threw well to him. You know Syndergaard, whether he had an issue with him or not. I mean that might have gotten blown out of proportion. Uh, but they probably they could probably improve there. Um, what are they going to do at third base? Um, who's who's going to play third base? Um, what? Yes, are they right? Is McNeil going to play third? And then what are they going to do with Cano? Is Cano an everyday second baseman, or do they maybe they don't have a choice because you don't have a DH? Um, well, if I can interrupt of, you just a second, to me. Yeah. I would move McNeil to second and Cano to third. That's just my okay. thought. Yeah, that works. That definitely works. Um, I think you're surprisingly we're good at shortstop, and but of course the bullpen. Now the question is, are you going to Diaz? They, there are plenty of teams that will take Diaz. 
But then there's going to be a situation where if he goes somewhere else, you know, is he going to be like, um, uh, of course, uh, uh, played for the Yankee, uh, what do you call it, the pitcher who went to Cincinnati and had a great year this year? Oh, Sonny Gray. Right. You know, is, is Diaz going to be one of those who just can't play in New York, but then he goes somewhere else and he goes back to his old form? Uh, or are we going to, you know, try him for another year? Because they definitely, have to do something about the bullpen. I mean, that's the obvious thing. Barry, but you know what? Got 29 other teams are saying the same thing, and none of them are the Yankees. <laughs> and I took, I did some research about bullpens and the best closers from 2018. I saw Wade Davis led the NL in saves in 2018, and his ERA was over eight in 2000. And 19, and not surprisingly, the Rockies went from a 91 win team to a 91 loss team. On the other hand, the Oakland Athletics had the one of the two best closers in the American League last year in Blake Trinan. This year, his ERA jumped almost five runs per game, but they found this journeyman, his name is Liam Hendricks, who had one career save coming into the season is in his early 30s, I believe. He ended up getting 25 saves with 124 strikeouts in 85 innings. And not surprisingly, Oakland is in the playoffs for the second year in a row. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is you just never know with bullpens. All of Major League Baseball is looking for the same thing. And you could start the season with the second comings of Bruce Suter, Goose Gossage, Sparky Lyle, Raleigh Fingers, and Mariano Rivera, and the bullpens could still end up being lousy. And the bullpen on paper coming into the season with Diaz, the closer, familiar, the eighth-inning guy, and uh, Justin Wilson as the lefty specialist. And I think some of the experts tend to underestimate that the fact that Wilson was out for two months. So the Mets were going for that time without a, without a lefty independent. There was plenty of situations where that lefty specialist coming in to get a, a Freddie Freeman or that guy Soto from the Nationals or Bellinger or yeah, Yellow, whoever would have been really nice to have. And, and also, the fact that Seth Lugo, who was tremendous, needs two days off every time he comes into a game is killing this bullpen and really hamstrung Mickey and, and any other manager. So you guys were talking about Wheeler. If he, I'm assuming he will get the qualifying offer. And if he doesn't take it, then he's probably gone. And I think you'd have to consider Lugo taking that spot in the rotation as a, uh, far as what to do with Diaz, can we can we say unequivocally he can't pitch in New York after one season? I mean, there were still times where, as they said, he has electric stuff, and it showed, but yet the numbers don't lie. He gave up, was it 15 or 16 home runs in, in the ninth inning? I mean, that, that's unbelievable. <laughs> well, I, I you and know... He's great somewhere else. Yeah, but that's okay with me. If you can get somebody to take him, like I think Len said, someone is will trade for him and think they can fix him. He is only 25, and his stuff can be electric. We did see it 
Not enough this year, but we did see the time. So that's the biggest conundrum, in my opinion, that that the Mets have. But just think about this way, guys. If they bring him back next year and they don't put him in as the closer, then they might as well try to trade him. But the first time he blows a save next year, you can say it's pretty much over for him. Mm-hmm. And it's stuck. I, I, uh, Speaking of Diaz, it's it's a tough situation because, you know, we, we spoke earlier about Syndergaard not liking you throw the Ramos. I would love, and if anybody out there wants to do it, I'm not a stat guy. I don't know how to even go about half of it, but I'd love to try to find out how many of those home runs Diaz gave up, who was catching him. Um, uh, could... Gary, I think I, can, I think I can answer that right now. Okay. It was all, it was all Ramos. Well, most, you, of the, most of the time he's supposed to pitching the Ramos. They never brought in a, a, a Nito or or whoever was on the roster at the time to, to catch the yeah, It was all Ramos. Well, as a former catcher, you know, and I've said this on the show before, there's a rhythm between a pitcher and, and there's a way that you work a hitter and maybe – I don't know. Maybe it doesn't work between Diaz and Ramos. Um, case in point, there was a game where he was they couldn't touch him. The first two batters couldn't. I, I think he was throwing off fastballs, and then he started throwing sliders, and then he had two strikes, and he threw another slider, and the guy hit it out of the ballpark to win the game or to tie the game at that point. Um why would you switch to the slider at that point? If nobody's catching up to your fastball, you don't, as a catcher, switch. You would throw it in earlier in the, in the count, maybe, but not in a key situation. Um, maybe a first pitch strike or something like that and make sure it was outside. So I don't know if the catching situation had anything to do with it. Um, we don't think we, we think of offense a lot and we don't think of the defensive part and the the uh, mental part of the game but that's a huge thing between a pitcher and a catcher and uh like i said as a former catcher not that that i played on any significant level but you know i i, I studied a lot of this and uh, because i wasn't that good <laughs> so i had to make myself a better catcher um, but anyway, it, there is a certain rhythm and, and a certain call to a game. And, and you know, the point that Ramos got complained about, DeGrom complained about his calling a game early in the year. Syndergaard was more vocal about it. Um, it's just, I don't know, maybe there is a, maybe that is the weak point, the problem there. And, and. You know, maybe that's an area we should look at, but they're all considering just the offensive part about it. And, and Jeff, uh, what what are your some of your off season moves? We didn't get to you yet. Um, well, let me start in with the infield. I know they're not going to do this because they're paying him too much, but I'd love to see them get rid of Robinson Cano and and make Joe Panic the second baseman. Yes, you know, he's so much better defensively, and he can handle a bat. And he'll run something out where Cano just just won't. Uh, but we know that's not happening. Uh, I'm sorry to Mrs. Uh, Barry over there, but Juan Lagares is, is no longer going to be on the team. But I think uh, I agree with, with Gary. Yeah, that the Mets really could and should go after an everyday center fielder. Yeah. 
טוב, נימו הוא לוקח את זה, הוא יכול לקבל את כל הבולט שלגוארס היה יכול לקבל, אבל אני חושב שהוא יכול לקבל סנטפילד, לפחות בזמן הזה, בין הוא וקורטו. ברוכה injury concern with that torn partially torn UCL so if he pitches uh every you know every five days he could liable go go down and have Tommy John be out for a year year and a half make him an opener make him an opener that's a, that's not a bad idea um no but he can't go more two innings every uh you know two three days well how often do you, you don't need an opener every day no nope. I don't even know how often you need openers I'm still they're still experimenting with it. But, you know, and, and let me make uh, what Barry said. You know, we, we did have Avalon out for a while, and, uh, well, uh, Gudum was gone for a while, and, and uh, Wilson was out for a while. Those were, you know, those were big pieces. Uh, well, maybe not big pieces, but pieces. <laughs> I, I think we're all tired of seeing the uh, Jacob Roms of the world and Tim Peterson and Tyler Bashler. They look like they've had their chances. And it just how many more chances are you going to give them? But bullpens are, you know, they, they, they change the idea. They might be great next year. Who knows? They, bullpens are really and uh, fickle. Walk a walk in the... You would scream about how can you put Diaz in that spot? The, my answer would be, who, who are you going to put it instead? They would come back and say anybody else. But Most of the time, we saw how anybody else worked out. And just to backtrack real fast, I have to careful with it. It was either Len or Jeff who were mentioning Dom Smith. And as uh, good a guy as he is, where are you going to play him? I, I agree. I think uh, I like Dom Smith. He uh, was very exciting that last game. But I think he's the uh, one guy who has... who could be traded to, to get something because his value is high, I guess, higher than most right now. Uh, better than better trading him than, than the guys in the minor leagues, you know? I think a good fit will probably be Detroit. I've been saying this for a while. I don't know how Detroit's bullpen is, but they're a team up that needs young players, and, and he'd probably fit in well over there. You don't think Dom Smith could be your fourth outfielder? I mean, and also the way yeah. players get hurt these yeah. days, I don't think that he's a, a good player to have off the bench is, instead of uh, some older guy who, you know, is, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't be, well, I wouldn't be so afraid Don Smith. Well, think of it this way, though. You, you, you may, may have Cespedes back. So that throws a whole new monkey wrench. Because yeah, now you've got, uh, you've got Don Smith to, that doesn't have a position you have jd davis that doesn't have a position do you want to move davis back to third base um oh no uh, <laughs> well can we see let's see first if cespedes you know comes back okay you know there, a lot of that's up in the air i mean yeah. you can always make a trade 
uh, during the season. I would I wouldn't be so quick to to pencil in Cespedes. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I have a theory that Cespedes will not be coming back, and my only theory is they've been selling his his uh, his merchandise at a di- discount <laughs> at the Mexico store. So they're trying to get rid of his stuff. I don't think he's coming back. That's, that's not scientific. That's just my my theory there. <laughs> and you know, I but I agree with Jeff on uh, on panic at second, and and when he said you know he'll run the ball out and Cano you know won't. But I don't even think Cano can anymore. You know, Cano for years has been known as somebody who doesn't run out of ball. But now I think he's at the point where he—I don't know if they can run it out. Might be afraid to run it out. Afraid, or maybe he just can't. You know, he's getting close to forty, so might not be able to. He's thirty-six. All right, Gary. I think you mentioned the switching of Cano from second to third, Mm -hmm. and like I think Len was saying that. You know, the player today is different, and the player today would have to buy into that. I mean, it doesn't, it it sounds like a pretty good idea to me, but again, the player would have to buy into it. And of course, third base is a reaction position, and we saw that his reactions are still pretty good, Mm -hmm. and he'd probably take to it pretty well. Then you move McNeil back to second base. Again, to know what to be you know, be all in on it. It makes a lot of sense to me as long as you can get the player to buy into it. And then you kind of have Lowry as your your your, your utility man. Mm-hmm. And as far as the outfield goes, I don't see why you couldn't have JD as your everyday left fielder. He did get better in the outfield. Oh, I think yeah. he is a disaster at third base defensively, but as a left fielder, he got better. And if you give him 450, 500 at bats in left field, I, I think you'd be okay. I still think you need a center fielder. I heard what you said, Jeff. I agree with you with apologies to, to my wife. But you know what? Who Who's to say that you couldn't bring Juan Lagares back and say your fifth outfielder as a defensive replacement? That doesn't mean you can't still you know, go shop for an everyday center fielder. You leave Conforto in the outfield. The, the Mets putting these players out of position. It, 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 enough of that. You know, Conforto should be in right field, and that's it. And as far as Cespedes, whatever you get from Cespedes is a bonus. But, you know, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the problem with Cespedes is, though, it's such uh, you have to plan – for the season, and yet you have to plan for him as well, that he may be there. And and that makes it difficult because do you make a – personally, I think you make a move or do you stand pat if you have an opportunity to get somebody, um, a, a center fielder or, or uh, you know, uh, another outfielder, I think uh, – uh, you make the move, even if it's a small move, like as you said, Lagaris. You may be able to get Lagaris back at a substantial lower salary. Um, you know, maybe you should sign him as a uh, insurance policy, um, and then you'd have Conforto and Nimmo and Lagaris and Davis. And uh, if Cespedes comes back, you. You know he's going to have to play. He's going to want to play, and they're paying him the money. They're going to play him. 
So, you know, then then that hurts. Day, it takes Davis out of that rotation. Um, I also read that Dominic Smith is going to learn to play center field in the offseason. I don't think he – I don't know if he has the speed for it, but uh, God bless him. He wants to make himself more versatile uh, either to stay on this team or to make himself more attractive to another team. If he can play more outfield positions, uh, good on him. But it is it is a tough thing because the Cespedes question mark is there. And um, personally, I'd like to see him move Cano as well. I, I, I think the game has passed him by. I think he's – uh, I think Len had a good point. I don't know if he can run. You watch him going down to first base, and, and he's super slow. And uh, the only reason, you know, you suggest third third base move was it is a reaction. His reactions are good. But he doesn't have to worry about range as much, especially with Rosario playing next to him. So you don't have to have and, that much range and, at third. Go ahead, Jeff. And that, Barry, Barry, that's absolutely correct. Well, you have to have these players buy in to that oh, yes. switch. I mean, we there was a famous, uh, what, two years ago, three years ago, when Cabrera, you know, we're going to move you to second base. Oh, no, can't do that. You know, he, he, he cried about it. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, the, the player has to buy in these days. I mean, the gone are the days where you're playing where the manager tells you to play. But, you know, Jeff, I think there's a different uh, – you mentioned Cabrera, but there seems to be a different thing with a shortstop that it's it's – I don't know if it's a more prideful position, you know, um, than say a second or third. Um, they're almost considered equal in in a certain way, you know. Um, but when it gets to be a shortstop, that's like the key cog of the infield, and if you're being taken off of it, that means you're you know you're getting near the end. But so what? You're getting another position out of it, and you're playing just as much. And and in the example of Cabrera, he he ended up playing better, uh, uh, hitting wise. But um, I, I don't think we're going to solve everything. It should be an interesting winter to see uh, what uh, what they do and what direction they take. So now that the playoffs have started last night, uh, Washington. Beats Milwaukee and really a heartbreaker for Milwaukee. Uh, I'm sure they're burning up the sports lines in Milwaukee, wondering why they took Pomerantz out of the game. And, uh, of course, uh, Hader, Hader, is that how you say it? Hader, the relief pitcher, had a great year, but did, couldn't do it last night and uh, lost that game late on a couple of blue pits. Um, playoff predictions. Uh who does everybody like in these uh, playoffs we've got going on uh, tonight? The A's and the Rays in the wild card game. Um, what are your picks? I guess I'll go yeah, first. first. I, I wanted the Brewers, and I was actually hoping that they would win because how can his Met fans be root for any of the other four teams in the National League? <laughs> But Milwaukee's gone. I like, like Gary said, they're probably destroying Craig Council for uh, taking up Pomerantz for Josh Hader, who in his career basically pitched a no-hitter against the Mets. They they can't touch him. But getting back to the prediction of who's going to win the pennant, as much as I hate to say this, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick the Yankees to win the American League, 
And in the National League, I'm going to go with Washington. I think the Dodgers are under a tremendous amount of pressure. And there's a statistic, which I believe goes back 100 years, nearly 100 years, that no National League team has won the pennant three years in a row. And I I don't see either the Braves or the Cardinals. So maybe this is just Washington's time. They had a tremendous run. They finished up the season going 9-1. and one. Remember, we were saying for the Mets to get back in it, the Phillies pretty much would have had to have swept them that last week. So naturally, Washington turns around and sweeps the Phillies. So Washington is on a tremendous hot streak. And I'm just I'm going to pick the Nationals to finally make it to the World Series, but the Yankees to defeat them. Jeff, Lynn? Well, uh, yeah, I wanted the Brewers again last night. Uh, just goes to prove, look, Hater was great all year, but you never know with a bullpen. Right. Why did why did Castle <laughs> take out uh, Pomerantz? We'll, we'll we'll never know. I uh, guess because he pitched two innings, and you got to take him out. He threw you know twelve pitches or whatever. And that's the limit. Got to take him out. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry to see the Brewers lose. Uh, I think I am going to go well. Who I think is going to go, who I want to go, to, want to go is, is different things. I want to see the, uh, I want to see the Brewers. So now I got to pick like who's left: the Dodgers, the Braves, uh, who else? The uh, Cardinals. Cardinals the, okay, Cardinals. Right. Uh, I guess I would like to see a, a Cardinals. How about this Cardinals Tampa Bay World Series? That I'd like to see that, but I think it's going to be. Uh, the Dodgers at, and the Astros. I think it's going to come down to Dodgers and the Astros, and the Dodgers finally going to get up the schneid. They're not going to be the Buffalo Bills of baseball, but the Cardinals and, and, and the Rays would be a... Uh, I would like to see that World Series. Uh, I'm sure Fox TV wouldn't, but who cares? <laughs> Len? Um, we've been having on, on baseball and barbecue, we've been having on some St. Louis guests lately. And a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be talking to someone tonight from St. Louis. So in in respect, uh, out of respect to them, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Just because, you know, it's like throwing darts. I don't want to see the Dodgers. Sick of the Dodgers already. I can't stand the Braves. I wanted Milwaukee. I can't stand the Nationals. So St. Louis, there is no way I'm picking the Yankees. In the American League, there is no way. Um, I'm gonna pick. You know, let's yeah. root for our old pal Travis Arnold. And Len, look at it this way: if you pick but, the Yankees, and you're right, you're right. But if you're wrong, you're happy. <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm gonna pick Houston. I, I think it's gonna be the Astros and the Cardinals. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Well, <laughs> another uh, another great television uh, <laughs> <yeah>. event. <laughs> and Gary, well, like you? like everybody said, I wanted the Brewers as well to go, and uh, unfortunately, they didn't get the job done. And I cannot stand most of the other teams. Uh, Barry knows <laughs> of my affection for the St. Louis Cardinals, so uh, <laughs> it's, there's no way I want them anywhere near it. I don't even want to watch them. Uh, 
Is there a story there? Uh, no, I just always hated them. <laughs> um, I am going to say that the Atlanta Braves pull off an upset. And I think the Atlanta Braves win the National League pennant and they go to the World Series. I, I'd love to see the Tampa Bay Rays, but I don't think they're going to get that far. I got to go with the Houston Astros. That pitching staff is just, uh, I know the bullpen is not as good as the Yankees, but that starting um, the three or four, they're, they're actually four deep, maybe even five deep. Um, and, uh, they hit like you wouldn't believe, and and that's with Springer and Correa and Altuve and uh, Bregman. I you know only barring injuries, I can't see anybody stopping them. I think they're on a mission. They are that good, and uh, I'm going to pick the Astros and the Braves with the Astros winning the World Series. All right. What did you think about last night with the Nationals with Scherzer and then Strasburg? Oh, I, 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 I thought it was a little ridiculous in a way because now who's going to start the uh, game one of the playoffs? I mean, now they, they, they can't go back to Scherzer. I, I, I thought it was interesting though that uh, I think we finally, well, maybe I should put it in the form of a question: Are we seeing the not deterioration, but the beginning of the decline of Scherzer? Because he couldn't get the job done last night, and uh, he, he didn't look like Scherzer-ish, if that's uh, a way to put it. Uh, but um, I, yeah, I'm not a Nationals fan, so I was not happy to see it. And I, I thought that react. I knew he was excited, Soto, but I thought the reaction was a little bit much. Um, right after getting tagged out and then uh, in your face thing, I don't like that, and and I didn't care for that. But that's just me. All right, so let's uh, wrap it up. We've been uh, uh, on a long time, and um, I want you guys to think a second about this: the best moment of the 2019 season for you personally. Uh, how it relates, uh, was it uh, uh, Alonzo winning the All-Star Home Run Derby? Was it uh, Alonzo with the home run record? Pretty much anything Alonzo, I guess. Um, was it the 50th anniversary of the 69 team? Was it even Cano getting hurt? That was one of my top moments, I, I'll have to say. Um, <laughs> What 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 was one of your best moments of the 2019 season? When that that you're going to recall and say, you know, that was reminds me of the 2018 season. Barry, we'll start with you. Well, I, 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 the Cano thing, I mean, <laughs> to uh, revise my thoughts on this, that was outstanding. But yeah, I think it might be a little rough on Cano. He, he did. Have a, a semi rebound in the last oh, six weeks or so. He came back from the 27th hamstring fall to put together a pretty decent last month of the season and stayed healthy. But getting back to your question, obviously the uh, the season that Pete Alonso had that nobody in his right mind could have could have predicted and. Try getting him on Mets Musings now. <laughs> what you had last year. 
but I, I have. It's not working. The record-breaking home run was, was, was incredible. Unfortunately, Gary Cohen didn't get the call, the call but well, what are you, you going to do? That's just the way it goes sometimes. And interestingly and enough, uh, Howie Rose didn't call it either. Even though he still only won, what, actually he improved his win total from 10 to 11, but the Mets <laughs> are still way under 500 the past two years in his starts. Go, go figure. The laws of the universe are, are so messed up. Who, who knows? But I, I have to say the highlight for me, and you alluded to it, was that, that ceremony for the to honor the, the 69 Mets. I was there. I actually just watched it on replay this afternoon and seeing the guys come out and Eddie Cranepool being the last one literally brought tears to my eyes. And and even though they uh, they uh, put two guys to death and then resurrected them, uh, <laughs> just just a moment. tears to their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least though they remembered those two guys. I mean, they were you know they could have just skipped skipped them and nobody would have missed it at all. Um, but uh, Len, your best moment of 2019. I I like the fight between uh, Ron Darling and Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I guess I mean there were so many good great moments. There really were, but I think uh, having Alonzo hit number 53 um, because it just to give him the record for for the rookie and I know it's probably it'll probably be surpassed at some time and and it really doesn't matter what difference would it have been if he had 52 but he is now a Met rookie has the record as opposed to a Yankee rookie do I sound bitter no I agree <laughs> that was the best part of it <laughs> yeah so so I I think that yeah uh I, I was fortunate enough to attend several things this season, starting with uh, going to the QBC, which I recommend everybody do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's in January or February. It's a great off-season gathering of Mets fans and some former players. Gary, I'm sure you remember it well. Yes, I do. Had a great time. Uh, yeah. Mets Musings should have a booth there. Yeah. Should have a table. That's really But uh, One of the highlights is going to the 50th anniversary and my cousin, who lives in Florida, flew up to attend uh, those games with with me and my wife. And uh, just because she got she got me into baseball when I was a kid, and uh, just just being with her with those little players and the ceremony was just terrific. I also had the fortune to be at the game where in Cincinnati with Alonzo hit number fifty, and that was a shot. And that was just I'll, I'll never forget that. So there's a couple of really good moments in, in 2019. And for me, uh, I have to agree. I wasn't there, but the uh, the anniversary of the 69 team, I think, really was uh, a very, uh, you know, uh, poignant. As Barry said, it brought tears to his eyes. And uh, we may never see those guys, you know, too much anymore. And... Uh, 
Uh, it was great, and it's great that the Mets are going to retire Jerry Kuzman's number. Number 36 will be retired next year. If you noticed in the last two games, or the last game especially, I messaged Jeff about this. The Callaway was actually wearing number 26, so uh, they uh, took it away from him already, or maybe they were canning him, and they knew that, so who knows why, but... Um, yeah, I think I think to me it really was the uh, the 50th anniversary, and you know, let's give the Mets some credit. The organization, the last two years, they had two big moments, um, and they really came through. I think expertly and did great jobs with it. Last year, of course, was the David Wright farewell, which was handled. I thought was uh, done terrifically. Um, we had spoken about it months before, and I said they. I would have waited till the last game of the season. They did it like the last, the week before or something. Um, but to have him play that the couple of innings and have a time at bat and just the whole ceremony and everything was just done. I I think you know terrifically. Uh, and now this year with the 50th anniversary and the Mets have had a habit of screwing some things up. And yes, they did had that little flitter there where they announced two guys that had passed and they were actually still alive. But, um, you know, some of that stuff comes from the MLB office as well. And, and the people didn't respond. So they assumed, uh, I don't know, but anyway, um, as far as Mets musings went, it was a great year. Uh, we had Wayne Randazzo on and uh, Ron Darling and Art Shamsky and Ron Swoboda and you guys. And uh, I, I don't even remember who else. We're still working on getting uh, a couple of the 69 Mets on before the year ends. And um, Very nice. It was just, just a, a and- terrific season. You oh, and Gary, 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 and next year we have to look forward to a Tom Seaver statue being unveiled. There you go. And Jerry Kuzman's number getting retired. So two good things. Okay. And I'm sure they'll do a fine job of that. Uh, as I said, they did a fine job this year with the, the whole parade and everything. You guys were there for the parade. I mean, it wasn't huge, but it was uh, pretty neat. It was. It, it was the the parade was ju- was done just right. And Gary, just really quick, because you mentioned the MLB offices, and at least figuratively, a light bulb went off in my head, because I think you alluded to it a little bit on the la- on the last mess musing. But whether it's Joe Torre or he, the decision was made in conjunction with other people in the MLB offices, for them not to allow the Mets to wear. The, the commemorative hat for the first responders on 9-11, they should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I posted this on the social media, and I'd love to hear an answer to this as to why they would not allow this. But I think that the Mets and the Yankees, since they play each other every a home-and-home home series every year anyway, should always play each other on September 11th. One team could wear the FDNY hat, the other could wear the NYPDs. They could alternate from from one year to the next. And I'd really like to know why MLB would have any problem with that. 
Well, I, I what was uh, Tori's explanation? Something about it goes against the uniform code, but so does Players Weekend, doesn't it? And uh-huh. they changed the 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 uniform code for Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day, July the fourth. They're not in uniform technically; they're wearing different uniforms. Um, so I don't see why an exception couldn't be made for nine eleven. Uh, it, it's you know um, make everybody wear them then make make every make the nationals maybe wear you know the first responders of Washington D.C. because there was a the uh, plane crash into the Pentagon there. Make the uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Pirates where maybe, you know, first responders for the uh, other area. Um, or make just make everybody wear something. But uh, to totally turn it down, I think, is an outrage. And Major League Baseball should be ashamed of themselves. Once they learn how to monetize it and, you know, where they're making money off of it, they'll they'll make it a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's true. Well, any uh, final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up tonight? Well, Gary, you mentioned that it was great to have us on the show. It was great to be with you and Barry and, like I said before, uh, uh, Brett Topel and Greg Prince and and, and everybody that we uh, were on with this season uh, for Mess Music. I don't actually remember if we were with them the authors last season or this season, but whatever. <laughs> Jeff and I have greatly enjoyed our time on Mets Musings this season, and we are excited to hopefully be on with you during the off season, next season, and many seasons to come. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind, Jeff. Well, uh, I want to agree with uh, my cohort here, Mr. Aberman. Uh, very nice. Uh, I'm going to end it with a little. Uh, just a little more baseball talk, if I may. We know that uh, Zach Will is going to be a free agent, and if he doesn't take the the uh, qualifying offer, there's rumors he might be going to the Braves, which would kill us. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing Mr. Wheeler in a Yankee uniform. If they only see us once a year, twice a year, that's it, uh, instead of 19 times against the Braves. So uh, <laughs> with that, you know, hoping, uh, you know, I hope it's going to be a quick winter, get back to spring training, and we'll have a successful 2020. Barry, your final thoughts? Len and Jeff took the words right out of my mouth. It, it's been a blast this year. It was fun to see the Mets play meaningful games in September. And, of course, they've actually gone to spring training this year and have met my uh, BFF now, Fred Wilpon. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot of fun. I hope to do it again next year, and I recommend it to anybody and everybody because it, it, it really is a lot of fun. And Gary, you're going to be coming up on your 10-year anniversary of Mets Music, so it's pretty amazing. Well, so thank you for having me on those few times with, with Len and Jeff. I, I, I had a great time, and it's certainly more fun to watch a team that looks like it has something good going for them in the future. Hopefully it will continue. It certainly does. And I'm going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you all enjoyed it. And I want to thank my guests, Barry Newman and Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. Check out this show. they got a couple of great episodes out now, one with Mark Littell. And I'm sorry I can't remember the other guy's name that you, uh, you have out the episode with. But 
go check it out. They're terrific. And uh, like I said, they always make me hungry, though. That's the only problem. And I want to thank you all for listening. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, uh, YouTube, wherever you watch or listen to the podcast. So we haven't been doing much video lately. It's just been audio. Uh, but you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and uh, whatever else. Um, it helps me grow the podcast and bring, uh, you know, better guests on like these guys. And instead of just having me yak all the time. So, uh, don't know what the schedule is going to be like. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I'll probably be, uh, do some spot shows, uh, halfway through the playoffs after the world series and, uh, winter meetings, and then probably take some time off during the winter. But until we get together again next time, remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic. And as always, let's go Mets. Thank you all. And I'll see you again real soon on another episode of Mets Musics.